Hello, 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 everybody. My name is Kevin Marabi. Welcome to the Tezcast. This is the Tezos Podcast, Episode 4. I realize that I've been averaging about one episode per month, um, which is good. I think that's a good thing because it's quality, not quantity. And I tend to, you know, like I'll, I'll get like into a podcast. I'll get really excited about a podcast that I discover and then I subscribe to it and then I listen to the episodes regularly, but then I'll miss an episode here and there. And then I end up basically with a backlog of podcast episodes that I know I'm never going to be able to get through all of them. And I end up just giving up on that podcast and all of them and then taking a break from podcasts for a very long time. Um, so it's good not to overwhelm the audience, I feel. Anyway, I could probably spin out more episodes if I had a producer because I do a lot of other things. So a producer, yeah, if I could just like talk and do interviews and everything and just had a producer, that would, that would make things easier. Yeah, they could just cut and edit and all that stuff. That's the thing. Same thing with cooking. Like I really like cooking. I just don't like doing the dishes afterwards. Anyway, in this episode, I'm interviewing Jonas Lamis, a Tezos OG. You all know Jonas Lamis. He started Tezos Capital, Tezos Community. It's what it was called before that. And now he has a project called StakerDAO. So StakerDAO, which I was up there in San Francisco for the unveiling at Coinbase headquarters, StakerDAO takes the on-chain governance process of Tezos and brings it to the level of a dApp. So we're going to have a lot more Tezos dApps coming out. The FA12 token standard has been released. We're going to have more token standards coming out over the next several months and so on and so forth. So we're going to see a lot of demand for systems like this. So we'll get to that. I want to address what's been happening in the markets these days, this week. Um, I wrote this tweet yesterday, and it got more attention than I thought it would. I wrote, Tezos is noticeably price resilient compared to assets that spiral whenever BTC drops. It's because Tezos stakers take advantage of market dips, buying more XTZ, also increasing their respective delicate capacities. The intra-competition keeps XTZ's price relatively durable. And that's all I said. Uh, I got some comments that were in agreement. And then, yeah, at the time, uh, XTZ was up while BTC was down and everything else was down. Like you could just see like a sea of red on the coin charts, like the price charts and everything. And then there's this one island of growth and that was the price of uh, Tezos going up. Um, that's not uncommon to see. I see that a lot when the markets are crashing and, but XTZ is going up. Um, and, and yeah, and, and it's for the same reason. But I don't, I don't mean that, that's, that the price is impervious to any macroeconomic changes. No, it just makes it more durable, more price resilient. It could still get beaten to a pulp. It just, it just means that there's a little something else there that says, hey, you know, maybe we should you know, use this time to buy more Tezos, um, more Tez. Um, so yeah, when I wrote that, the, price of the, the prices were doing what they were, and then the price of XTZ went down a little bit. And then, so some people are like, oh, this didn't age well. It's like, what? what are you talking about? You think I mean the price will never go down? Is that what you think I meant? Anyway, um, 
What else did I want to get to? So yeah, uh, also make sure to check out Awa Soon Yin's article on lessons learned from the Babylon upgrade. That was really good. I really liked how they handled that. And it really makes you think what's been going on with Tezos and what's been going on with this trend of decentralization overall. I think we're very hungry as a community to make everything, and I don't just mean Tezos community, I mean the, the crypto, blockchain If you're listening to this podcast for whatever reason, you probably like the idea of decentralization. You want everything decentralized. Decentralize everything and then decentralize it again. But it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's a process. And you want to make sure you get it right. Uh, If you decentralize too quickly, too fast, without consolidating support, without fortifying the walls before you tunnel any deeper then you're going to have a bad time. So I think what Nomadic and Cryptium did with the Babylon upgrade, and yeah, they were they were more closely working with each other. Um, it wasn't the most, this like open forum for everything they were doing, but it needed to be that way. Awa kind of reminded us, yeah, this is the first time you had two separate firms, one in Paris, one in Zug, uh, working together for a protocol amendment. That's huge. That's historic especially for Tezos. So, you know, there are challenges with that and you need to iterate on that, get it right. Just like with any startup, just like with any project, I mean, it takes iteration. You start lean, you expand outward. So does this mean that after this, they'd move on to three or they should? Not necessarily to have three firms working together in different locales. Maybe that, that should be done when we can figure out how to do two firms involved in a protocol proposal, an amendment proposal, and getting that right over multiple tries and making sure that, you know, we don't screw the pooch. And from there, the learnings we'll have, not just those firms, but everybody sitting and watching will see, oh, this is how you do it. This is how you make it work. This is how you communicate. This is how you uh, make sure protocol amendment proposals can be built out uh, with a distributed team efficiently, cleanly, uh, and, and to a level that's just regular, that takes time. So I think we're all still learning and we're in a culture of learning and appreciating that I think is a, it's a very important thing. So I would say we don't need to rush. Anyway, let's get to Jonas Lammas. All right. So Jonas Lammas, how are you? Thank you, Kevin. I am doing well. How are you today? I am wonderful. Uh, we just did a Tezos LA event yesterday. So that was good. We had a lot of new people. Uh, Vishak from Cryptonomic came by. Great. Uh, talked about his stuff, gave a sneak preview to that crowd. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to put the pics up for that. Uh, how's everything up there? You had a big, uh, big few weeks. You're, you're happy. We did. We had, uh, we had the big San Francisco blockchain week two weeks ago. And that was a uh, great uh, venue for us to launch StakerDAO. So we had our launch announcement and launch, launch party as part of the Tezos meetup we put on with Coinbase. That was very cool. Um, then I hopped on an airplane, flew out to Boston and participated in the Tezos meetup in Boston earlier this week. And How was that? Back. It was, it was good. They have weather in Boston, actually. I had forgotten what weather was like being out here on the West Coast. Yeah, I lived there the for years of my life. We're in Boston. Mm-hmm. My, brother, mm-hmm. my brother moved 
there also later on uh, for college and everything. He's up, he's up in the same area. I tried to get him to come to the Boston Tezos meetup. Like, look, I'm not going to be there. I just, I want you to know a little bit better what it is I do. Okay. Uh, but it's, he's in Newburyport. So it's considerable, considerable drive, which yeah. you know, to me, you know, means more to me at this point. Maybe I think later on he'll be like, oh, I could have gone to one of the early <laughs> Tezos meetups that they had in Boston. Like what, a, if nothing else, like a very great kind of talking point. Like I, like I could have got, I could have gotten one of those Staker Dow t-shirts yeah. version one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you well, missed it. It's like when my brother told me, it's like, well, you should have listened. Well, yeah. Yeah. And you had me on your podcast, the Tesonomic podcast. We did. Yes. That's All the, about. Yeah. That's the big. That's USD, the TZ. Yeah. If you found this and you're looking for Tezos podcasts, uh, you should, yeah, check out Jonas's, then come back to mine. This is... If, so, if somehow you found this podcast. Yeah, yes, for know. the four of you who found this, uh, yeah, you, you'd want to check out the... That one's a bit more established. Uh, but yes, thank you so much. And you had me after Arthur. That was the episode after Arthur. That was very awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I wonder who's next. Thank you so much. I think it's, uh, I think I'm going to talk to, uh, Adrian again to get, uh, get some lessons learned from the Babylon upgrade and, um, see what's coming in upgrade number six and seven. Staker Dow. Staker Dow. You unveiled Staker Dow at Coinbase. I was there. Very big moments. Uh, let's go into, first of all, what, what are you addressing with Staker Dow, like what what did, what made you stand up and say this is a problem? We got to solve it. So uh, uh, I would say um, it wasn't too long after the Tezos mainnet launched uh, that, as, as at the time I was running, I think the largest te- Tezos delegation service that was Tezos Capital, and I realized something, and that was that. I am very, as kind of running this business that that validates blocks on Tezos and gets rewards in Tezos, I'm very uh, tied to the success of Tezos because I get paid in in Tez and um, and I have to pay for my costs in dollars. And therefore, if Tezos doesn't do great, uh, it's hard for me to make any money at this business. And Yet, proof of stake space is really awesome, and I wanted to participate in it more and more. And so I was talking to um, DeLorean over at Figment, and he was somewhat in a somewhat in the same boat, except that uh, Figment, when they launched, they were heavily, heavily focused on Cosmos, and so you know he was highly correlated with the success of Cosmos. And I was talking to DeLorean, and I said we we needed to create some kind of swap some kind of derivative model or something between the two of us so that I could take on some of his risk and he could take on some of my risk. And, you know, as proof of stake gets better, if either of these change does better than the other, we could, we could both, you know, mitigate our downside. And so I started thinking more and more about that during the early part of 2019. And eventually it led to a concept paper that I put together. Um, I had just started to get into understanding the Ethereum 
decentralized finance space, or DeFi as they call it, with MakerDAO kind of leading the way there. And so I spent a lot of time trying to understand what MakerDAO was doing. So I kind of put two and two together, looking at governance on Tezos and DeFi management on Maker with the two token model and out popped the StakerDAO concept. And so it really was a combination of looking ahead as to what's going to be coming in the finance space and then looking back on you know what? What were what are the risks that we face as as validators that that caused me to want to create this idea? Okay, okay. So you were looking at past models. You were looking at MakerDAO as one thing. You're looking at two token setups uh, and where things are evolving in the space in, and in DeFi. Um, what do you feel that? previous embodiments or even just areas of um, uh, similar concerns? Where do you think they, they missed it? What does this do that's just never been done before? Well, um, I wouldn't say that StakerDAO is necessarily plowing brand new ground in in most areas because um, Tezos has already innovated an amazing governance process, um, which we're all familiar with. And StakerDAO is simply um, forking the Tezos governance process and creating our own version of it, essentially. Like Tezos governance is awesome. It runs in a certain way, but we want to, we want to create a governance model that works better for the decentralized assets that we're going to launch. And so we're going to build it on top of Tezos and we're going to use Tezos Agora as the baseline, but we're going to create our own governance model that's more aligned with, with our business, for example. And then the same, same thing applies on kind of the MakerDAO world. You know, they've built an amazing model over there for um, having a governance token that helps holders of that governance token make decisions. Um, those decisions influence their, you know, their stable token Profits that are generated from the interest that's captured on the stable token end up causing a deflationary effect on the governance token, on the maker token. Um, and so that's all a really cool model that we want to just basically copy, not necessarily copy for the stable stable coin model. We have other ideas instead of stable coins, but, but the two token model is amazing. Um, but what, what, I think what our innovation on top of that space is, if you want to call it innovation, is the fact that we are going to recognize that 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 governance token maker in their case, staker in our case, is actually is actually something that's going to accrue profits, and therefore it needs to be treated as a security um, because that's where the world's going, or at least that's where the U.S. is going. Definitely, what's informing a lot of this is uh, the way in which Tezos is governed. Uh, and you did mention that you will specialize in growing and adapting models that specialize for staker needs or for yeah. any needs, because this will be used for, I'm sure, countless other areas as well, um, beyond staking and staking-centered governance issues. Um, but so would you say that's where you feel... Uh, that your role within the Tezos overall ecosystem could contribute that there's now this uh, family of area that's coming from this particular project 
that will allow a lot more uh, blossoming of thought to come in the governance space? Well, I would, I would, I would say I am not building this this business for Tezos. Um, I'm building it on Tezos because Tezos is the best blockchain to manage the governance of high value smart contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's the best platform for that, and it, in my opinion, is has the best long-term vision and the best long-term success mm-hmm. uh, probability, uh, it's the right place to put the governance framework that we're, that we're planning on launching. Um, I would say that one of the really interesting things that uh, I believe we're doing with, with StakerDAO that doesn't really exist today is the notion that we want to put the decision-making of all of the aspects of running a decentralized finance organization, a, de- a decentralized finance DAO. We want to put all of those um, decisions into the hands of the token holders at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. yeah. while, you know, while there might be centralized blockchain companies that are launching DeFi products, or there might be traditional finance companies that are launching or that manage comparable centralized products. We're trying to go, you know, de- decentralized DeFi, if you will, which I think is going to be a, a big and interesting step forward for the whole ecosystem. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just the natural course of things because we're constantly getting more and more decentralized. As soon as we have a decentralized standard, uh, we want to be even more decentralized. And we start to thinking about the decentralization deficiencies of the standards we previously celebrated. Um, you know, so there's a lot of that, I think, um, just coming very, very strong as well. And I think that we need to be able to innovate our governance systems, whether they're off-chain or on-chain, towards that, not just a decentralization standard, but the transparency standard as well. I think that's, for many, that's equally important. Um, and, or, and some would say you can't even have one without the other. Um, yeah, and definitely very Tezonian, even though it's not just for Tezos. Um, and you did mention the integration with Tezos Agora. That's interesting. Um, I'm trying to participate more and more on Tezos Agora. Um, I'm checking the site basically every day. Uh, definitely a lot of, I really like how it's set up for, there's like a section to even talk about how do you want to improve Agora itself. I, I think that kind of spirit of self-improving is definitely uh, a pattern we see in a lot of these apps we like to use or a lot of uh, aspects of Tezos that we admire. Um, how, how would that work? I mean, how would Tezos Agora uh, work with StakerDAO? Sure. So one, uh, one of the first development activities that our team is, is creating is a, um, a token standard that will... Um, that will that will be complementary to the emerging token standards that are are, are coming on on Tezos. So, for example, there's the FA 1.2 token standard, and there is even a newer uh, project that's going on, which is 
um, kind of Tezos's version of the uh, ERC 1155 standard. I don't actually know what the name of that one is yet, but we're but the engineering team is looking at at how do we build on top of those two models. And so our token standard, what we're currently calling the Gov1 token standard, will uh, will will take the security token work that's done in in FA 1.2 and will tie it to the uh, Agora framework that exists and will give uh, the power of anyone who wants to create a new Gov1 token, you know, fine-grained control over how it's governed, um, both from a security token perspective and from a governance process perspective. And then as they define that governance process that they want to offer for that token, it will instantiate it in an Agora model so that you can have the community easily assemble around that new governance process. Does that make sense? Right. Um, walk me through, well, actually, okay. So I see a two-sided marketplace in one sense within the actual usage of uh, StakerDAO. Um, there's the person who issues the StakerDAO for their own project and then there's the person who would participate within their entity, whichever way it's formed through these tokens or however they want to call it. Um, they create a sort of organization, and there are going to be people within that organization, and they're interacting with the StakerDAO too. So to be, uh, let me see if I can clear this up a right. little bit. Um, so the Gov1 token standard um, is an open source technology that we hope to release here by the end of the year. And anyone can take that Gov1 standard and they can, um, can create their own DAO type um, project on Tezos. They can specify what the framework of the Gov1 token should do, what kind of controls are in place for it. And then they also get to specify how the governance model would work in conjunction with that token that they're creating. And so, you know, once that's released to the wild, anybody who wants to build something like StakerDAO can go out and do it. In our case, StakerDAO is going to be kind of the reference implementation of that token uh, and, and Agora model. And so for us, StakerDAO is going to have a specific one token, one governance token, which is the Staker token. And it's going to have a very defined governance cycle, which is a monthly governance cycle for making decisions about how the staker token uh, can be used. And it has a specific election model where staker token holders vote once a year to elect a, elect a five-member council. And that five-member council is the one that votes on the proposals that happen every month. But there's nothing to stop someone else from taking our model, changing it to the way they want to do it, and launching their own DAO to, do, to govern whatever it is they want to govern. In our case, the thing that the staker token is going to govern are a, an emerging set of decentralized financial products, the first of which will be launched once the staker governance process starts running and the council approves the launch of the first product. In our case, we think the first product will have a lot to do with um, staking derivatives, as I talked about the original version for this uh, re reason for this in, in, in the first place, creating a, creating a new token model that allows um, people to go long on proof of stake 
in a easier manner than uh, the traditional model of buying and holding a bunch of different proof of stake tokens, if you will. Well, walk me through the process. Uh, like, let's say I, what's my project? I have a something I want to crowdfund for, perhaps. Let's say I want to do something in real estate. Uh, I want to. I want to use the Tezos. I want to use the Gov One token um, to distribute governance. Uh, yeah. So and equity. So, right. So let's say there's a lot of people talking about um, a marketing launching a marketing DAO on Tezos these days, right? That's that's a concept that we've heard about recently. You know, it would be great if the community could come together and um, and have a DAO in place to fund uh, marketing activities. There's, uh, there's nothing like that on Tezos today, but Ethereum recently launched their own marketing DAO, for example. I think they launched it today or yesterday. So I think this would be something that you could totally use the Gov1 token for because... What the nice part about Gov1 will do is that whoever launches the Gov1 token, well, let's call it the, the T-Market token or whatever you want to call it, um, when they configure what the T-Market token does, they also get to configure what the governance process is for managing decisions with the T-Market token, right? And so they could say, okay, for this marketing DAO, what we want to do is we want to have um, you know, uh, anyone who contributes, you know, a hundred Tez to the, um, the, the marketing DAO gets a seat at the table, um, for voting for activities. I'm just making that up. Uh, if you contribute less than a hundred, then you can, uh, submit proposals, but you can't actually vote for them, for example. Uh, so you could program that into the Gov1 token uh, and when you turn it live, not only do you have a token with those rules in it, but you also have a new version of Tezos Agora that follows the process that you've laid down. And, you know, decisions will happen once a week. Uh, proposals are on Monday. Uh, discussion is on Tuesday. Voting is on Wednesday. And implementation is on Thursday. That's our process. And so you program that into Gov1, and all of a sudden, all of that is instantiated uh, automatically in the token when it goes live. Okay, cool. So let's say now I'm someone who wants to participate in someone's project uh, and they've decided to use the Gov1 token and their, their version of it, um, their, their implementation of it uh, to thereby work with me on this sure. so that I can, I can start so there's nothing about yeah there's nothing about the gov1 token and the marketing dao model that we just discussed that would necessitate launching say another token right um the whether or not you want to have uh how you know how funding happens on the um on the marketing dao uh, perhaps you know there's a thousand people who each put a hundred tes into the marketing dao and now there's a hundred thousand tes in there and those thousand people are making decisions they're they're reviewing proposals that come from the community or co come from you as the mark the guy who wants to get some funds they review those proposals they go through the governance process on a weekly basis they vote for the ones that they like and then they execute funding out of that you know hundred thousand tes that they put into the dow for starters um, to execute those pro programs um, that's a simple a simpler model than what we're doing with StakerDAO, 
but it's something that totally could be supported by GovOn. So this operates in the framework that people would need to feel the business side of things. I mean, business uh, shareholders do meet. They have um, they meet by proxy. They meet at the shareholder meetings. Uh, they elect uh, the board of uh, directors. The board of directors, based on however they have their own little governance thing of who decides what. Maybe it's one person with a majority share. Maybe it's uh, people you have to add up and have an agreement on something. Um, but then they pick the CEO and they pick, uh, you know, and then maybe they pick the other executive members or they they leave that to the CEO. Generally, they leave it to them. But then and everything in the organization can trickle down from there. And it can be a global organization, widespread, different localities, different languages. Um, so the ability to create governance of that magnitude for projects that can be of value akin to those large companies, those Fortune 500s out there, I think that's a very big step. I mean, for one thing, it's, I think a lot of people look at corporations and they see that as a big, um, I think it's, well, it is true that it's a kind of autonomous life in a sense, like this sort of, uh, or they call it, it's kind of like an artificial life and artificial intelligence in, in the form of a body of a group. Um, we saw that, you know, definitely we can look at democracies in that way. Uh, we can yes, look corporations at corporations are yeah. people too. Yeah. <laughs> at least when exactly. it comes to, comes to political campaigns. Yes. As or the uh, philosopher Mitt once famously said, I mean, I think that like, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, when I, when I looked at the staker Dow model after kind of, I drew it on the whiteboard and, you know, erased it several times and withdrew it. I, I what in one, when you look at it one way, you're like, Hey, congratulations. You just reinvented the corporation. Right. Um, yeah, but it's also, but, but on the other hand, you just yeah. reinvented the corporation. Right. It's really right. <laughs> Because I think the main difference is like, yeah, corporate, corporate structure totally works for getting business projects out the door. Um, but if we could instead, you know, but if we could empower, the people to be the ones driving all the decision-making with, you know, their tokenized voting um, for how that corporation should behave and how it should work. And that, and they have the final say, I think that's interesting. I I think that's really interesting. And I think that's what kind of what we're going to shoot here for with StakerDAO. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think even just on, you mentioned on a technological level, but definitely on a philosophical level as well, Tezos is the right place. Um, and why that matters so much if uh, somebody say, oh, well, so what? You can just put it on, doesn't matter. Coins should be agnostic or bespoke as everyone likes to say, but um, coins, blockchains, you know. Um, but definitely uh, the community is a reflection of the philosophical values um, especially right now, it, it, when, when, you know, cryptocurrency, whatever you want to call it, uh, is in a bull market, a lot of people start rushing and they start adapting to projects uh, very quickly. And, and, you know, it's good. The learning process happens and it expands to a wider market. It has to be that way. Uh, but uh, when you're not in that position as a, just on a macro level, I think the people who are in like really actively engaged in Tezos right now, they see something 
uh, really truly in this. And then they, they look at all the aspects, including those philosophical aspects, and they ascribe to that. Um, and it's probably that before anything else. So I don't really get that sense from um, every community out there. Uh, but in the Tezos community, I found that to be a very consistent trait. I think uh, the number one question I get when I'm explaining this to people primarily is, why did you pick Tezos? You know, and they kind of say it like that. Because yeah. most people don't have the uh, background and ex exposure that we have to to the community and to the true decentralized nature of what we're building here. So, yeah, I think it, I think building on Tezos is actually kind of one of those little secrets that, you know, that they, uh, that they say the, you know, the VC question of what, what, what do you know to be true that most other people don't know? Right. And what I know to be true that most other people in the blockchain space don't know is that Tezos is, is built to last. Like it's, it's probably the last blockchain we ever need. Yeah. And you know, it, that's been obvious to me since 2017 when I first read the white paper. Right. I mean, it's one of those things. I think a lot of people who are getting, you know, Tezos woke or whatever, they're realizing, Oh yeah, this'll, this'll keep growing and this will always be there. The same kind of feeling that they got maybe when they learned about the dynamics of Bitcoin when it came out and it's right. oh okay yeah i see i see yeah okay limited supply to which this happens okay and people are like oh that they see that the system at work they're like oh this will always be around um and i feel like that's the safe thing even if you because we have to start with safe i mean people aren't gonna take risks and 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 go on faith of anything unless you know they can feel safe first most people and if you're trying to find a project which will be around, Tezos will be around, there's a, something not just philosophical, uh, not just technological, but just throughout all the little parts of the community that reflect that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a safe place to put um, a lot of things if you're concerned about continuity uh, is the way that I personally think about it. Um, but, you know, and, people, it, people, and it has a ginormous foundation too. Can't yeah. discount that. So where do you want to go from here with StakerDAO from the model you described? What's a kind of a longer term vision of where you want to get to it? Yeah, I mean, my, my thesis is that everything is going to get tokenized over time. Like it's not going to happen next year, but anything that's worth worth value that has... Uh, a medium of trade or exchange associated with it. It's probably going to become tokenized because it's just going to be a more efficient and fairer and more decentralized way to, to manage the data associated with that stuff and the, the rights associated with it than all of the centralized businesses that we have today. 20th century was all about centralization. Uh, 21st century is going to be all about decentralizing all that, all that stuff. So, um, I think StakerDAO is laying down a foundation here to be a driving force in the decentralization of everything. I think we want to put the decision of what to decentralize and how to manage it and how much profit should be generated from that process in the hands of the as broad a set of token holders as possible within the constraints of the um, compliance and regulatory environment we have to operate. 
in. And um, that's that's what's going to happen with with Staker over the next few years. The Staker DAO is the kind of, as I said, the reference implementation of Gov1 will be the first one out there, but it doesn't have to be the only one and it may not be the best one, but it's the one we're starting with. And, you know, that's all about um, providing a model that's that's heavily borrowed from Tezos. You know, in the Tezos ecosystem, we have, uh, you know, 780, 790 million Tez out there. 80% of them or whatever the number is are, are being baked, right? Which is basically meaning the, the rights associated with governing those coins are being activated and they're either being activated by a specific baker baking them yourself, or you're delegating those, those governance rights to a delegation service. There's 400, 500 different voters, if you will, in the ecosystem because of this. And those, those voters are voting on proposals that come out of the community on a, you know, on a roughly three month period. And that's kind of the same model that we're stealing for, for, for StakerDAO. We where there's going to be coin holders and those coin holders, rather than delegating, you know, baking rights, they're going to be electing a council once a year. And that council is going to be the one that's going to be voting on the proposals on a recurring basis that is going to be on a monthly basis. And the council is going to have five members. Um, and there's, you know, there's like, like in Tezos, we have a number of engineering teams that are responsible uh, for creating proposals and submitting them and, and discussing them uh, for Staker. We're going to have a similar kind of framework. There'll be, a operations team that is working with the coin holders to figure out what the proposals should be for submitting those proposals and then for implementing them when they're approved. Okay. So that's where it's at. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, so what is the next step for someone who's a new fan of StakerDAO? They're like, I want to use it. I'm sold. Where do sure. they go? What do they do? Sure. So, um, we're heads down on engineering right now. Our goal is to get this uh, Gov1 token standard and the uh, the Staker Agora framework um, up on the test net, probably in at the end of November, early December, and then actually have it live on mainnet by the end of December so that we can run our first governance cycle in January. Um, we're going to be asking people in the community to start participating in the discussions around what kinds of things we should be governing, how we should govern them. Um, that'll happen through, you know, the Reddit, the su subreddit that we put together, the staker governance subreddit. It's not live. There's not, no content on it yet because it's a little premature to start talking about it. But, um, but I think what, what I do need to do, I was talking to Jacob recently, I do need to get a post on the Tezos Agora um, discussion forums to, to start the conversation there. So look, look, you know, we'd love to engage with people and hear what they have to say about this model and what ideas they think about it. Um, hit us up on, on any of those channels or on, on uh, Telegram as well. Okay, so how do people reach you? Um, I, uh, I am on all channels. You can get me Jonas at stakerdow.com. If you want to send an email or hit me up Jonas Lamas on Twitter, um, or 
like I mentioned, we're going to have a Telegram channel, which is uh, StakerDAO as well. Cool. Jonas Lemus, thank you so much. You bet, Kevin. It's great to chat with you here. I like the long-form podcast model here. We'll have to do some more of this as well. Yes, yes. Um, my brother's telling me it, it's, it's like it's very NPR. I'm like, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> so You want a donation? I want to do, I want to experiment, man. We'll see. Let's see what happens. All right, cool. Jonas. All right, dude, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.